Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Perspective. Today we're going to talk about the foster care system. I know this is a topic that really isn't talked about, but that's exactly why I'm bringing it up and so early on in this entire series. It's so upsetting because when a child is living in what seems to be an inhospitable environment, um, it's considered to be their safe haven. And then the advertisements and when you research it, it's so hard to find the truth unless you experienced it yourself or know somebody that has or have been around it and um or did your deep 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 research um but i'm gonna be talking about some key points from my book uh, i called it in the name of the children that go nameless and um i'm just gonna be bringing up some key points for the people that weren't able to purchase it or weren't able to get it for free Um, because I know this is something that really needs to be talked about. Broken down, the primary focus of our foster care system is to safely separate children from their families and put them into a system that's meant to heal their wounds, right? And in my book I wrote, the main problem is that it, uh, the main problem that is concerning many is that a child who's already wounded is being put through more incredible agony and anguish that certainly will not help them heal and I revealed what happened behind the scenes of the safeguards surrounding the foster care system. And the things that I talked about were the inconsistencies in training uh, appertaining to the social work monopoly and the increasing rate of sex trafficking that children in the foster care system are so convinced it's a better route for them to go to. It's a safer route because they feel safer when they go towards a a pimp, when um, when they go into a route that enables them enables other people to take them onto the route of sex trafficking without them even know it's happen knowing it's happening and um, I get so passionate about this because it's it's upsetting um, it's upsetting because what's supposed to be what's meant to help the children and save the children became a monopoly um, it um, you know the shortage of mental health treatment facilities uh, it's it's so upsetting because there's so much money that's being allocated to the foster care system. And uh, the problems children face, not only when they're in the system, but after they age out, because it's so hard for these kids to even get accepted for, um, for these programs that help them after they age out. Only a handful of kids are able to be accepted uh, in correspondence to how many kids are in the entire system itself. It's so, so, so upsetting, and I will continue to repeat that because nobody even talks about it. I wrote in my book, there are about 50 children welfare agencies in the United States, and the funds to underwrite them are in the billions. And that was in an article I wrote, I uh, read by Kirk Door, and uh, it was called Mental Health Needs and Treatment of Foster Youth Barriers and Opportunities. And you, should, you guys should read it, it's really good but they describe the poor mental health of youth in the foster care system. Basically, it's it's really upsetting. <laughs> Again, I'm gonna say it. I feel like I've said that so many times, but I guess it's just sad because these kids are thrown into the system. They're torn away from their families and they're expected to just be completely all right, be completely normal. And if they act up even a bit, they're then prescribed medication, they're then diagnosed with something. Instead of being taken care of and talked to and just treated like human beings. I mean, in group homes, 
there's literally a no affection policy in many group homes that I've been to and it's like what uh and now just to give a backstory I just volunteered at a lot of foster youth communities throughout my childhood and um adolescence years and young adulthood etc um it became a passion of mine when I was 15 years old the thing about it is I I honestly I never knew what these kids went through and then I actually wrote about this in my book at the beginning but I remember being at the front of the classroom because I was helping uh, teach a life skills class at Vista Maria in um, Dearborn in Detroit. Um, one of those two, it's on the border, but yeah, it was a home for abuse and neglect. And I remember talking to the girls and asking them, I mean, where's one place? If there was one place you could be right now, where would it be? And they told me, they said, you know, they the, the things they said, man, the first thing that came to my head was like California, freaking Bali, like all this shit, you know? And then one of them, I mean, she blew my mind. She was like, I just want to be at the dinner table with my mom, the other one. And mind you, I was 15 years old at the time. Like I was so, so, so young. So uh, I was actually learning from these kids. But she said, I just want to be at the dinner table with my mom. Another girl said she just wants to be with her sister again. It was like, wow, I take so much for granted. And then it started, you know, it started becoming so clear to me how much we all take for granted. Because, I mean, let's get real. We ex when we flip the light switch, we expect it to turn on, right? When we, uh, when, we fuck when we put the faucet up on the sink, we expect the water to come out, right? I don't know if I said that right, but... All I'm saying is we do take a lot for granted and there are people that are living literally so close to us, around us, all around us. And they don't even have the same opportunities we do. For what? We all come into this world whole. We all come into this world whole. It's our environment, our circumstances that break us down and um, it takes community uh, to you know and togetherness and just know letting someone know that they're not alone uh, to really bring that person back up because nobody's lesser than anybody and I want to make that clear I wrote in my book it's not gone unnoticed that there are many children that have in fact had it worse once they were in their homes with their blood relatives there are many situations that cause the need to be removed from your home as a child for example in the early years of foster care the out-of-home placement of children was commonly due to parental illness, poverty, or family death, and was a means of helping families experiencing financial hardship. In contrast, the majority of current out-of-home placements in the public child welfare system are due to parental abuse and neglect, and that was actually uh, extracted from Kirker and Dorr as well. Now, despite the situation that caused a child to be torn away from their family, there's no doubt that everybody needs a sense of belonging. By tearing these children away from their families, the child welfare system is robbing them of their sense of security and belonging without giving it to them when they're in that environment. Children who grow up outside of a family, in other words, without a sense of stability and belonging, are unable to truly know who to trust, 
who to love, how to love, and how to take care of themselves. And by all means, of course, these children will one day know how to clean and shower themselves and think for themselves. Nonetheless, but by saying that, they will never truly understand how to take care of themselves. And I don't mean that in a pessimistic way. I mean, it'll take community and togetherness and letting them know they're not alone to show them. And I don't mean in a physical aspect of life, to, you know, I mean in the mental aspect of life. How to know and understand their worth and the importance of their own mental health. After additional investigation, with all of the information that I received, it was safe to say that all the funds going to underwrite the system should be relocated to stepping in before it is too late. I also wrote in my book, when an 18-year-old does not go to school, it's a choice. When a six-year-old does not go to school, it's, a, it's literally signaling a red flag that there's something going on at home. There are an incredible amount of cases that have gone unnoticed or pushed to the side for a good amount of time, whether it's a week or 30 days. In this time, many things could be going on in, in the children's homes, and that could be aided and attended to before it's too late. Rather than approaching a family with a negative mindset, the child welfare industry needs to reassign their duties to approach the situation with the hopes to help the family rather than tear them apart. And I, I literally will repeat that over and over again. We gotta put the families together before we try to tear them apart because if that's the initial instinct, then you're just literally, you're deciding the fate of a child. And um, I mean, I talked about group homes. I do want to talk about, um, you know, the training appertaining to social care work. It's really upsetting because there are so many cases that, again, I said upsetting. <laughs> we'll count how many times, don't worry. But um, there are so many cases where the social workers will come to the homes. And let's say, for instance, one of the ladies was not ready and she was about to go somewhere and she's like, oh, I'm about to go somewhere, can we please do this another time? Or, and the social worker will say, um, don't worry about it. And ask the questions real quick and check off all the boxes without checking anything. And look this up, guys. There are instances where this has happened and then the kid and, and the person's care ended up dead or ended up injured or ended up badly freaking just with trauma that'll last them a lifetime. And it's like, Jeez, this training, this lack of training. Yet so much money is going to underwrite the system. What is going on? I don't know. I also wrote, generally speaking, many people push the thought of the foster care to, to the side because of the idea that children will not be in there forever. I mean, despite the fact that it's true, they won't physically be in there forever. It affects the being, the, it, it literally affects them for the rest of their life. I mean, it doesn't, it's not over once they age out. There are programs within the foster care system that are used, like I said before, um, to help the kids after they age out. I mean, I brought up this example, let me see, in my, uh, in my book, Homelessness and Aging Out of the Foster Care System. A National Comparison of Child Welfare Involved Adolescents. Um, that's the title, and it said, Federal Policies Focus on Programs that Train Independent Living Skills. Um, and then I wrote, however, the programs are not always successful. And from uh, an article written by Fowler, Markle, Jong, uh, and then Day, and Ladsverk. I hope I'm saying those names right. Um, 
but they basically said little evidence demonstrates the benefit of these programs for foster youth transitioning into adulthood. I mean, youth in the foster care system are taken from their homes and put into either a group home, foster family, or foster home. The youth are taken away from familiar faces and placed into a completely different environment with complete strangers. It's an ongoing problem because the simple and scary fact that if the youth act out even the slightest bit, many of them, like I said before, are given medication to correct their quote-unquote behavioral problems. I mean, you guys, these kids are literally torn from an environment that whether they felt safe or not, they, that's their frame of reference. That's all they understand. They were torn from that environment. And they were given no explanation. Whether they were given an explanation or not, that's no excuse to expect a kid to grow up so damn fast. <sighs> Jeez, there's so much, guys. I'm literally just on page 10 of my book. It's, it's crazy. And um, I'm definitely going to do a part two about this. I'm going to get deeper into it after I go graze over my book a little bit. I'm definitely not saying all of the things just because that would take a really long time. But I'm going to do a part two and I'm going to give more insight and a little more details. And I'm going to talk about reform because this is not all downhill. I think talking about this stuff is just to advocate for us to push for better for these kids, for the future, you know. And it takes conversation it takes us having these talks and these uncomfortable talks it's necessary thank you guys so much for tuning in i really appreciate it and i really can't wait for next week's episode